Father in heaven, we pray that your spirit uh, will be with us here today. We thank you for all that this day, that this day has for us, for the blessings of our new lobby space. But far more than that, Lord, for what this service represents, with the emblems of the body and the blood of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that our hearts will be made ready to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to read a little bit from Luke chapter 22. This is the point in the book of Luke where uh, Jesus begins, uh, it's, it's that last supper, it's that last moment when the people are together, where he's together with the disciples and he's, he's preparing them for what's coming. They don't know what's coming. And, and we'll read an earlier part of this where we talk specifically about the, the last supper. But I want to start in verse 24 of Luke chapter 22 where we find these words. Now there, also, now there was also a dispute among them, that's the, the disciples, as to which of them should be considered the greatest. It's disappointing, isn't it? You think about the story of Jesus, and here he is. He's, he's come up to this moment. It's, it's uh, the, the Passover, and then he knows he's going to be betrayed, and, and then he's going to be crucified, and then it's going to be the... The challenge of that time for the disciples, and then he's going to rise again. There's so many important things going on. But guess what's going on amongst the believers? At that moment where they're standing on the brink of the most important event since the creation, they're arguing with each other about who's the greatest. Aren't you glad we're not like them? Aren't you glad we would never come right up to an important moment and instead of being focused on what the Lord had for us, that we would be arguing with each other? It's a little bit bit too much human nature, isn't it? That we just can't always seem to keep our eyes off each other and, and keep them on Jesus. We... We want, on the one hand, we want those around us to be the example because we're pretty sure we can live up to what they do. But whenever we do that, we we start to get critical, don't we? Because the truth is, at least I've found this in my life, maybe it's different for you, but I found this in my life that it's really hard for me to find anyone who does things exactly like I want them. Have you noticed that? And when that happens, it's easy to get critical. And so they were arguing and disputing among themselves. Verse 25, And Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. Now I'll just stop there for a second, because sometimes when we read Gentiles in the Bible, our first thought is we think those bad people. But I just want to remind you, that unless you are a very small percentage of this congregation with a Jewish heritage, Gentiles means us. And the standard way that Gentiles have lived their lives, I suppose ever since the Tower of Babel, is that domineering people rule over us. 
And we constantly seek to dominate each other. It's the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. But Jesus says it's not going to go that way for you. Verse 26. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as one who serves. Now this account in Luke does not mention uh, what the story in John mentions, where Jesus institutes not just the Lord's Supper, but also the washing of the disciples' feet. And we don't know for sure what the timeline is on this, when exactly Jesus does this. But Jesus has demonstrated to them the willingness to serve them. In fact, to do the task that only a servant would do. He stoops and he washes their feet. And it's an offense. It's an offense to see Jesus doing this to them. And, and they're a little bit offended to have it done for them. That's why Peter says, Lord, no, you'll never do that. And I think this is an element that falls away sometimes when we've, when, when we've no longer had the foot washing as a part of this service. If you remember when you were growing up, uh, it was always a part of the communion service. And it was very regimented. And we came in and we did a couple things. And then, remember, everybody got out and got up and went out of the sanctuary and went to a room somewhere. That's one of the reasons we haven't been able to do it because we have so many simultaneous things going on in the classrooms. There just wasn't the spaces. But everybody got up, went out, washed each other's feet, and then came back in here. And then somewhere along the line, we developed a new policy. Everybody got up and went out and never came back. And that's not really what it was about, was it? Because it was an offense. We didn't really want to do it. And it's real easy for that, for that to fall away from the experience. So we're trying to learn ways we can bring it back. We started with in the, in the atrium there, but that was easy to not do that because it was hot and we didn't want to go in there. Now that we've got this new space, maybe we can start to bring this back as a part of what we do. Because it's an important symbolic part of this service in two ways. One, it's important for, to remind us that we are servants of one another. And as sons and daughters of God, we're, we're equal in that. None is too good. None is too good to wash feet and none is too good to have their feet washed. But the second part of it, it comes out in... in in what Jesus says to Peter, he says to him, Peter says, no, you're not going to wash my feet. But Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no part. Um, then Peter says, well, then I guess I need a bath. And he says, no, don't be ridiculous. And, and symbolically what that means is, is um, we, we receive our bath at our baptism where we make our confession. But then in our life of faith, we walk around in the world, don't we? It's though we walk around in our lives in sandals. And maybe all of us doesn't get uh, filthy. But sometimes our feet do, don't they? Symbolically speaking. 
in terms of these lives we lead and the, the things that we go through. And in that sense, it's kind of like a, a refresher to your baptism, if you will, where someone else is serving you and symbolically washing away what the world has put on you. This, this challenge that comes to us again and again to not think ourselves too good, but rather to be a servant of all. It really is what this service is all about. Because So we have a table here, and, and we have the emblems on the table. But if, if we think about it, we know that we're the humans, and we know that Jesus is Lord of all. Yet Jesus says, which is the, which is the important one? The one seated at the table or the one who serves? See, here's the thing about this service. In this service, you are seated at the table. And Jesus is the one who serves. And this service reminds us again and again, it is the one who has given the most that is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Not the one who has gotten the most. When we bring our, our tithes and our offerings, it's, it's really about the giving of our hearts, not about that somehow we're giving tribute somehow to, to this church or organization or something like that. It's, it's really about our heart. Verse 14 of Luke 22 when the hour had come, Jesus sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. That's interesting language. It sounds, it even translates kind of interestingly in English with fervent desire actually that word is kind of added in there but it's like with desire I have desired and we don't really use we don't talk like that in English you don't use the same word again in the same sentence but in Greek they used to do that a lot Paul does that a lot in his writing and the reason is it brings emphasis to it and that's why the word fervent is added here but Jesus is saying I have desired this moment because something incredibly important is about to happen. And this is my last moment with you guys. This, this whole Passover thing that got instituted all those years ago is now meeting its fulfillment in this moment. I have desired this day since the first Passover. All the way to this day, I have desired this moment. And in this moment, I'm going to transform this service. And I'm going to give you something, and you're going to carry it on. Something tangible to remind you of what's about to take place. Verse 16, he says, For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Verse 17, then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Now we've understood Jesus' words here to mean that he instituted this service 
but then he would himself not participate in it again until the day after Jesus comes again and we are all invited to the great banqueting table in heaven when once again he will participate in this event. But the amazing thing is we get to participate in it until that day. Who is greater? The one who gets to participate or the one who refrains? We're in the privileged position. Verse 19, And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I titled the message this week, In Remembrance, because because we can get into routine, right? We can get into ritual and and lose sight sometimes of what it's all about. The, the reason Jesus took bread and broke it, the reason that inside of that, uh, that silver tray there is little pieces of bread is, is so that we will remember Jesus. And that he gave his body for us. In him was life. And he desires that that life would be ours. And so he took bread, something that we would have, and he broke it and he said, this is my body. Receive this and remember that I died for you. Verse 20, likewise, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. So we have the bread that represents the body of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the strength we need for living, but we also have the cup which represents the blood of Jesus, the new covenant that Jesus establishes. Now, one of the amazing things about that is now we know that covenant includes us, but that night when Jesus was instituting this, uh, the disciples who were standing there or sitting there around the table had no idea that we would be included. Had no idea that the grace of God through Jesus Christ was sufficient not just for the Jews, but that it would, it would spread to the whole world. What an honor it is for us to lift that cup of the new covenant. In a moment, we're going to have the chance to do that. This new covenant in the blood of Jesus, not like the old covenant that was instituted with the blood of lambs and of goats and of bulls. No, a greater covenant established through the blood of Jesus Christ himself. That is the covenant we live under. This service that we are about to participate in offers to us the opportunity the twofold opportunity, one of, of accepting the life of Jesus into ourselves, and two, of fully receiving and acknowledging forgiveness of sin. But we can only truly enter into this if our hearts are ready and our minds are focused that we're remembering Jesus and ready to receive Him. So I don't know 
I don't know what, what is on your mind, what is on your heart today as you come into this place. I know that every one of us comes with some sort of a mindset today. Perhaps your burden today is very heavy. Perhaps today you're rejoicing. I don't know your state as you come in, but I do know that what is offered today is what you most want and need. Because what is on offer today is strength for living and forgiveness of sins. Does anybody have any needs? Did my mic go dead? There we go. Does anybody have any needs that go beyond strength for living and forgiveness of sin? I mean, maybe we could have to stretch those definitions a little bit, but I bet that would cover just about everything we've got, wouldn't it? The confidence that the love and grace of God is sufficient for me and the power of the Holy Spirit to face the challenges of my life. Maybe you've got a physical challenge today. Maybe you've got a a heart challenge today. Maybe you've got a an emotional challenge. Maybe it's hard to even think straight. Jesus came and lived and suffered and died and rose again so that you could live in hope and in forgiveness and so that you could live at peace with one another. This is what today's service is about. Now we have a song of reflection today. And, and, and as, we, as you hear this song, as you listen to this song, you know where you are in your heart today. This is preparation time for us. While they sing, I want you to reflect. My living as a servant of God, are there sins that I need forgiven? What deliverance do you need today? While you hear this song, let the Holy Spirit work in your heart.
Jesus is, is the example for us. It's not each other. We look at each other and uh, we're just going to get discouraged. We're just going to get angry. We look to Jesus, we're going to be reminded of true love, of, of true holiness, true righteousness. And He set the example. He None of us are called to the same sacrifice He made for us, are we? We're called to sacrifices, but which of us could give our life for the sins of the world? None of us. We're busy contributing to the sins of the world. That's what we've done. The Apostle Paul writes, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. In a moment, the deacons will come and will will serve you the emblems of the body and the blood of Jesus. In a moment, I will kneel here and pray a blessing as we receive these emblems. I will kneel. You are invited to remain seated. This time between receiving them and when we partake of them together, please receive them and wait and we'll, we'll partake of them all together, is your chance to stand before the Lord, to remember that, that the sacrifice isn't for them, the sacrifice is for you. Receive it as your own today. The bread which symbolizes the the life of Jesus, the blood which symbolizes forgiveness of sin. Receive it as your own today. Jesus instituted this for us 2,000 years ago. It is an ancient thing, but it is also real and for today. We practice open communion in the Adventist church. Anyone here who's put their faith and trust in Jesus is invited to participate because this is a testimony. I will kneel now and pray blessing. Lord Jesus, you gave freely. You were broken and spilled out. Your body was broken, your blood spilled out. And it is through your broken body and your spilled blood, combined with your resurrection, that we have hope. So Jesus, we come today, failing weak, weak of body, weak of mind, lacking in courage, overcome by our lives, caught in situations that we have foolishly wandered into. But today you offer us hope. Father, I pray that your blessing is upon this bread that represents your Son, Jesus Christ. I know you love it when Jesus is glorified. So glorify him through this service today. And Father, we pray your blessing on the cup, which represents the forgiveness of sin, which can be ours today. Send your Holy Spirit, Lord. Inhabit this service and inhabit our lives as we, with this act of faith, show that we have put all of our hope and all of our trust in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.